Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. And welcome again to Orange Crest Community Church. Uh, my name is Bryce, and my normal role is to help with all the volunteer teams on Sunday mornings. Um, our pastor, Josh De La Rosa, is currently on vacation with his family, so we're grateful to give him some time to spend with his family. Uh, but I'm really excited, though, to share with you the message this morning. So over the next two weeks, uh, we're going to start this new series. It's going to be focused on this idea of alignment and how you can find traction in the truth of God's Word. And it's kind of a fitting time to do this because 2019 is coming. Um, 2018 is coming to a close, and the new year is just around the corner. And that's sort of this natural time for us to, to set goals uh, for growth and change. And so it's a great time to be able to talk about this idea. But before we talk about setting goals for this next year, today what I want you to do is to kind of pause and reflect on this past year. Think about 2018. And I want you to do that by answering this question. And it's right here. Did you grow in the ways you intended to this past year? And I'll even give you a second. There's some space on your listening guide. You can turn it over. Maybe jot some thoughts down. Did you grow in the ways that you intended to this past year? Maybe there are some character things you're hoping to change. Maybe you wanted to lose some weight, which is normal. Get in shape, something. What about spiritually? Were there some spiritual ways you wanted to really grow this past year? Now, if you're normal, maybe you tried, but you kind of sputtered out as life just began to happen. Things just came up, and so, you know, that goal for growth just got to the wayside, and you really didn't make progress. You know, it's really be re- really great to grow in this area, but right now I just kind of need to survive and make it through. And if you didn't grow, it's because you're living out the reality that growth is difficult. It is just really hard to grow and to change. You ever thought of that? I mean, imagine if it was just really easy to grow. I'd like to lose 20 pounds. <laughs> Boom, right? It just happened. 25 pounds, maybe. <laughs> but just imagine if all you do is think about it. And you could just grow and change. But growth is difficult because sometimes things just get out of alignment. We hit roadblocks or barriers to our growth. Things get out of whack or things just block us from being able to make progress. Sometimes we really want to try. We're like, man, I really want to grow. I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to make changes. I'm trying to make progress. But something just seems to be blocking me. Something just seems to be getting in the way of me making any real progress. Well, in Luke 8, Jesus shares a parable with his followers about some common issues and common obstructions to our growth. And so as we take a look at this passage and and hear about what Jesus has to say about these things that can get in the the way of our growth, um, I want you to think back to this past year. And maybe if you did stall out on some ways you were hoping to grow in, think, well, maybe some of these factors were the reasons why you didn't grow. So you can follow along on the screens as we look at Luke 8. Uh, But we'll start in verse 4. So Jesus says this, And when a great crowd was gathering... And people from town after town came to him. He said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns. 
And the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Before we continue on, let's pray briefly. Um, Father, we're just grateful for you. We're grateful for your word. We're grateful for the hope of a new year, that you can produce change, um, that you can help us get traction in our life. And so, God, we're grateful for your word. Just like this passage says, Lord, help us to have ears to hear and respond to your word this morning. So, Lord, I pray you would speak through me. Um, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus tells this parable to, his, to a large crowd of people. And after he, cho- he shares this story, um, some of his disciples come up after him afterwards and ask him, you know, hey, Jesus, what does this mean? I don't really understand. We don't really get what you mean by this. And because he's sharing a parable. So a parable is a story that has some truth that's blended into it. And so in this particular parable, each of the items and elements in the story represents something else. And so Jesus then goes on to explain what each of those things represent. So first he explains the seed. He explains that this is the word of God. The simple truth here is that if you want to grow, then you have to get into the God's word. You have to get into the Bible. You have to read it. You have to study it. You have to memorize it, meditate on it, hear it. Get into God's word. And that really is one of the key first steps for you to be able to make any progress in growing. So to grow it all in your life, to be in the story at all, you have to get into God's word. And the point is for the seed, the seed of God's word, to grow into a fruit-bearing plant. And so maybe you can even picture that right now. Picture a seed, and then picture a seed growing into this giant plant that's bearing fruit. Maybe it's an apple tree or whatever it is, um, whatever you want to picture. So what does it mean to bear fruit? It means that your life and character are conformed to God, and then you aim to reproduce um, through evangelism, through sharing your faith with other people. It's the fullness of life that's found and walking closely with the God who is really there. And then helping others to do the same. That's the goal that we're aiming towards. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Jesus uses this plant analogy to describe our own spiritual growth and our own growth. And so you can just keep that picture in mind as we talk through the different elements. The soil in this parable, it represents us. And just like the seed has different reactions and responses based on the kind of soil, we have different reactions to God's word. And so there's different soils that represent different things. The first soil is the path. So he describes what happens here. Some seed falls on the path, and it never really grows in anything. It says it's trampled underfoot. The birds devour it and take it away. So there's not really a response. And that means some people hear God's word and never really respond um, to God's word at all. No plant develops. Nothing really grows, and nothing happens. The next soil is described as rocky soil. And this kind of soil has a deep base of rock, so plants can't really dig in. Kind of like if you ever try to dig a hole in Riverside, plant something... You hit something, <laughs> and it gets really difficult to dig. That's kind of what it means. Roots aren't able to really develop and grow. And so testing, pressure, difficulty comes. The plant withers because it's not able to withstand the pressure. So some people respond that way. They respond quickly, but they don't have roots that really dig in, and so they can't hold up under the pressure that comes. But the soil that I'm going to spend the most time on is this next soil. Um, because here Jesus lists out some common obstructions to our growth that I think we all face. Um, so let's read about these to find... Uh, find out what he has to say. So in verse 7, he describes it. He says, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And then he explains it in verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. So in this soil, he explains 
that there's, uh, there's, the, there's this soil that where the plant grows up, and at the same time, the thorns grow up around it. There's two things growing, out of, growing together. So it has roots. It's still surviving. Maybe even it looks like it may produce fruit at some point in its life. But the reality is that there's these thorns that are growing up with it that are starting to choke out the fruit, choke out what it can produce. And you can take a look at this definition for choking. Um, there's actually a definition for plants when it comes to choking. But it means to prevent a plant from growing by depriving it of light, air, or nourishment. So if you remember back for your, to your elementary science project where you put a seed in a cup, you know, I'm from Texas, so maybe we did that to die in California, but you put a seed in a cup and you get to watch it grow, you know. plant needs a few things. It needs water, soil, sunlight, air, in order to, you know, photosynthesize or whatever. So, and then it grows, develops into a healthy, mature plant. What happens is that when you choke it out and some of those nourishments can't get to the plant, then it can't actually grow. And that's what he's describing here these thorns that, that, that choke it out. I actually got to see this sort of in action in a different way. Uh, we went to Hawaii. Me and my wife went to Hawaii on our honeymoon right after we got married. Uh, we went to the island of Kauai. It's beautiful there. It sounds great on a cold day like this, you know. But, um, but we, went, we went there. We went on this little adventure trek where we kayaked along a river, and then we hiked to a waterfall. Um, you know, it was pretty magical. It started, like, sprinkling as we were kayaking down this river and, you know, beautiful green scenery. Uh, but so as we, were, as we were hiking along, though, our tour guide pointed out a tree that looks kind of like this. Um, you can kind of see it here. This isn't from our trip, but sort of gives you the same idea. Uh, he pointed this out, and he said there's this plant. It's called Morning Glory, in which we have Morning Glory here. Um, but what happens is that um, Morning Glory is spreading throughout these this different parts of um, the island, and it covers trees completely. And so you can see here it's completely covering this tree right here. And what happens is that over time, um, even in the incredible environment of Hawaii, where there's all these, like, I mean, it's like ideal place for, pe- for things to grow. The soil is really rich with nutrients. Um, you know, it always rains. There's plenty of moisture and water and sunlight. Uh, but this, eventually what will happen is that tree will die because the, wheat, the, the, the vines are so thick around it that it just chokes out the nourishment that it needs, the resources that it needs in order to grow. And so eventually that tree will die. Um, because something's choking it out. And this is exactly what Jesus is describing here. What Jesus is saying is that if you aren't growing, then probably one of these three things in some way is choking out the resources that you need from God in order for you to grow. Um, So if you didn't grow this past year and you really hope to grow this next year, um, then know this. If your life is going to produce fruit, then you have to cut the thorns. You have to cut the thorns in your life. And what I want to do this morning is kind of paint this picture and vision for what it could look like for you to really grow, to really make 2019 a year where you grow spiritually. The difficult part is you're going to have to do some weeding. You're going to have to do some gardening. You're going to have to cut the thorns out. And that's difficult, and it takes time, and it takes work. But in the end, it, you, your life could produce um, a whole lot of fruit. So let's go through each one that Jesus lists, and we'll talk about ways that they affect us. So the first thorn that Jesus lists is this, it's cares. So the first thorn is cares. And the definition of cares, here's just a short definition. It's concern for something to the point that it causes you anxiety and fear. These are your anxieties, your worries, things that kind of wake you up in the middle of the night, you're worried about, you're concerned over. This is what he's talking about here. And I want you to answer this question 
And there's a small amount of space in your listening guide. You can do that here. But this kind of helps you get to thinking about maybe what some of these are for you. Uh, But here's a question that I want you to answer. It's if I followed God fully, then I'm afraid that blank. You can fill in the blank there. We'll list out a couple things. If I followed God fully, I'm afraid that blank. Maybe it's going to be, you know, I'm afraid of what people may think of me. Afraid that I'm not going to be taken care of, that I'm going to be taken advantage of. That's not going to be worth it. What are you afraid that may happen? And the primary tension here we, we, we feel is that anxiety is just this real thing. And, you know, anxiety has been a real battle for me all throughout my life. Um. Anxiety can just grapple us and just stop us completely in our tracks. It just drains us of energy. It feels overwhelming. Um, it can make you not want to move forward at all. Honestly, it makes you feel like you're stuck in this pit of mud. Like taking one step forward is just so difficult, so much weight to do. Honestly, it can feel like this. It can feel like you're this tree that's under this incredible weight of vines. Anxiety can just be so overwhelming. And if you feel anxiety, the number one thing you want to do is you want to relieve it. You want to figure out what's the shortest distance for me to take in order to relieve this feeling of anxiety. What you find is that you're in situation, the situations that really cause you the most anxiety, you're typically at some kind of crossroads on making a decision of what to do. On one hand, you have my way, or on the other hand, you have God's way. And my way typically looks like it's going to relieve the anxiety much faster. It looks like it's going to um, relieve it, but on the other end of it, um, really just leads to more anxiety or really bad consequences on the other side. God's way, on the other hand, doesn't necessarily look like it's going to to relieve the anxiety quickly. But down the road, it really will lead to life and freedom. But then we're just stuck in this crossroads. And for those of you who, are, who deal with anxiety, typically you just stay stuck at the crossroads. You're not sure what to do. You're not sure where, which way to move. So it's really difficult. And when you're standing there and you play out this situation time after time, the question that you're really answering, you're really dealing with, is this, who can I trust, myself or God? I trust myself and what I think is best? Or when I'm standing here at this crossroads, can I trust God? Can I trust God's way? Is it really going to be better for me if I do it God's way? And I want to illustrate this for you by giving you some examples of how this plays out and just some common situations that maybe we feel anxiety over. Maybe it's a damaged relationship. There's conflict in a relationship and it's difficult, and things are tense, you feel anxious over it. God's way, typically, in, any, in most conflicts, you know, there's, there's, there's wrong that's done on both sides. And so God wants, probably wants me to humble myself, to admit what I did wrong, to ask for forgiveness, to work to clear it up, take the initiative to do that. My way, though, on the other hand, is, you know, what they did was far worse than what I did. So they should apologize to me. They should come to me and ask for forgiveness. And they don't. And so then you're stuck here still. You're anxious. Every time you see that person, every time you know you're going to be around that person, you just feel that anxiety build up. And so you're kind of stuck still at this crossroads. Or maybe it's over your status in life. Maybe you're really impatient. You're anxious to get moving to the next stage in life that you really want. Maybe that's getting married or or maybe it's getting a promotion at work or just a leadership opportunity or whatever it is for you. Um, God's way is to continue to be faithful and wait to stick it out. Um, and wait for his timing to come through. But our way is just to take a shortcut. You know, I've been waiting for a long time. I can just take a shortcut. Even though I may be wrong a little bit, it's not that bad. 
I can just take a shortcut. That'll get me there a lot faster. Or maybe it's about submitting to authority. Whoever's leading you is really difficult to follow. Um, and so you know, though, God's way is to support them, to follow their leadership, even though maybe they're difficult because they're not doing how, things how you would do them. To support them and see God come through. But then on the other hand, um, maybe in the name of venting, you just want to complain, relieve the anxiety and the tension by just complaining to everybody else, everyone else at work about the boss or whatever situation it is. Or you just start to control them, which is just going to be much more anxious when you're trying to control a boss, um, whatever it is. Or maybe it's your circumstances, just the health of your family, safety of everyone around you, your finances. Say, God, I know you want me to trust those things to you. I know you say that you can take care of those things, but, you know, I really think that things would be better if I just kept a grip on them. I was really the one who was steering the ship on those things because I can really protect uh, myself in those moments. In each of the situations, we really do have a choice. And we're really wrestling with this question of who can I trust? Can I trust my way or can I really trust God's way to go? And oftentimes, it's really hard to trust God. This has been difficult for me many times in my life. It's so hard to trust God because we think the only person who really knows what's going on The only person who really cares about what's going on in my situation is me. God doesn't really know. He doesn't really care. Not to the same level I do. And so I really can only trust myself because I'm really the only one who knows what's happening. And you can see how this tension with anxiety would prevent you from bearing any meaningful fruit. Like this anxiety just chokes out the vital resources we need from God to grow because anxiety blocks faith. Anxiety completely blocks faith. And faith is what we need for the resources of God to flow fully into our life, for us to be able to flourish and grow to this full plant that's, that's blossoming fruit. So how do you cut the thorn? In 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 7, it says this. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Did you know that God cares for you? I remember the first time I read this verse. I'm sure I had read it before in, in my life, but it was just during a particularly anxious time, anxious-filled time. It was really difficult. I was just feeling this weight of anxiety, difficult to move forward. And I remember reading this, and it was like a brush of fresh air to hear that God cares for me. Because a lot of times we, when we feel our anxieties, we don't want to burden someone else with our worries. We don't want to burden them with our anxieties the way we feel. We don't want to burden them. But you know what God is telling us? He's saying, look, I care for you, and so I want you to. I want you to cast your anxieties upon me because I really do care for me. I really do care for you. And the word for cast here means to forcefully throw. What God's saying here, it's not just these light anxieties that we feel that he wants us to lift up to him. No, these are the deep and heavy things that we carry with us. He's saying, look, I want you to forcefully throw those things. It's like he's stuck in the mud with us, and he's telling us, keep taking a step forward. Let me help you. Let me lighten your load. Let me carry your burdens. And we can do this. Keep stepping forward. So how do you cut it? You choose faith by choosing God's way. That's how you cut it. You choose faith by choosing God's way. So when you're standing at those crossroads, you have those two decisions, whether or not to do it my way or do it God's way. You really have to choose faith to to, to continue walking down God's path and let him take care of the outcome. Trust him with what's going to happen. Um, and then we specifically cast our anxieties upon him. Specifically list them out and cast them upon him because he really does care for you. He wants to carry those, and he wants to help you. And that can allow those 
the life flow of resources to come back to our life. So that's the first thorn. That's your cares and your anxieties. The second thorn is this. It's riches. So the second thorn is riches. And here's a definition of riches. It's an unhealthy grip on money that causes you to obey it rather than God. So it's an unhealthy grip on money that causes you to obey it rather than God. And there's another reflection question that you can kind of answer for yourself. Uh, But it's, I'd like to follow Christ fully, but if I did, then financially I'd have to give up blank. You can fill in the blank. like to follow Christ fully, but if they did, financially I'd have to give up what? Maybe it's your Starbucks budget. It's okay to get Starbucks. (laughs) For me, it's Apple AirPods. They just look cool. (laughs) No cords, you know, how great is that? Maybe it's just financial breathing room. Just want a little extra cushion. Maybe it's better food, eating out fun places, sushi, great. I like sushi. And those things aren't bad, okay? So if you have Apple AirPods, it's okay. <laughs> um, the thing is, though, when things get, get out of whack and get out of order on our priorities. And so the primary tension we have with this one is who is your master? Is it God or money? Who is your master, God or money? Because money has this way of becoming the most important thing in our life. Because we just need it. If your car breaks down, you know, and you're not a mechanic, then use money, sometimes a lot of money, to get it fixed and to get it repaired. Um, Or, you know, if you need food, you use money to buy food. Money gets the stuff that we need, which is great. Uh, But it can quickly become too high of a priority in our life. Um, And that's why Jesus warns about it becoming our master in the Bible. Uh, so here's what he says in, in Matthew 6:24. Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus is describing this competition for who's going to be the master or boss over our life. He's saying you can't have two masters. You can't, you can't split the role. You know, because if you do, if you try to do that, then you're going to end up really hating and being frustrated with one of them because it's blocking your goals from the other one. And this is really true of us. Because really we all say, we feel this, I feel this. We really want to serve God, but we'd also really love the things that riches can get us. We just enjoy it. Say, God, I really want to serve you, but I'd also like to have a bunch of other stuff too with it. Like a better house or maybe another improvement to our house, a little nicer car, whatever it is, whatever you put on that blank. Or you filled in the blank. And those, stuff, those things aren't bad, and it's not bad to do, to have those things. Where it gets into an issue is when you start to live maybe a little bit beyond your means currently. You start to stretch yourself a little bit too far because there's a standard of living that you're really hoping to have and really want. And so you live a little bit beyond your means, and then all of a sudden you end up having to make decisions in order to sustain that level of living that you really want. It's really beyond. And then you start to make concessions. Maybe you take a job that you know really isn't best for your family or doesn't allow you to do any kind of ministry other than work. You work too long in order to, to continue on with the standard of living that you have. And what happens is it's like almost like inch by inch, the trajectory and direction of our life gets off a little bit. And little by little, we end up in a different place than we intended to. 
That's what, that's what Jesus is describing here, is there's a battle for who's your master. Are you going to follow God? Is he going to be your master? Are you going to head this way? Or are you going to follow riches and go down the trail um, inch by inch the direction that it's leading? And it's almost like you can picture that tree inch by inch is just being covered and covered by vines and thorns. And slowly but surely it's going to choke out the resources that we need in order to grow. We would say that Jesus is the boss of everything in my life except my money. Which really means that money is my true master because it and not God has the final say on what happens, on what I do. Money has the final say. So how do you know if this thorn is affecting you? Well, if you sense God wanting you to do something that you need to be obedient to him, but you refuse to do it because of what it's financially going to cost, then maybe you may be struggling with who your master is. Maybe it's a training opportunity that has a financial cost to it. Maybe it's just giving and being generous. You sense God really leading you. Maybe it's the end of your offering. You sense God leading you. You know, you should be generous to this. You should really give to this. Uh, but you're just hesitant. You refuse to do it because of what it's going to cost you. Um, but if you sense that, then maybe that means that this thorn is, is just creeping up in your life. So how do you cut the thorn? In Matthew 6, 31, it says this. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What he's saying here is he's saying, look, there are things you need, and you usually trust money. You turn to money for these things. What he's saying is, look, I want, what I want you to do is I want you to put me first. I want you to put me first and my priorities first, and allow me to take care of the rest of these things. I will take care of these. I will actually come through and provide these things for you. But I want you to just put me first. Make me top of your list. And so how do you cut it? How do you cut this thorn? You choose to put God first and you give generously. Choose to put God first. Move your finances down a couple notches and move God and his priority and his kingdom up to the top. Put faithfulness to God's mission at the top. And this is really hard. This is when things get real. When our money, when it comes to our money, that's when things really get real. We really have to trust him because we really are trusting him. Okay, God, if you say that you're providing this, you're going to take care of me. That's a huge faith step. And God really can. We've seen that time and time again in our life. When God has really stretched us to give, he has really provided more and more than we possibly can imagine. The quickest antidote to stinginess and a tight grip on money is generosity from a pure heart. So this is really, if you're really wrestling with this one, um, then the quickest antidote to stinginess is just to give generously and do it from pure heart. So ask God, God, would you give me a pure heart to give generously? And then follow through. That's the second thorn, riches. And the third thorn is this. It's pleasures. The third thorn is pleasures. And here's a definition of pleasures. This is what he's talking about. Think distractions that take you sideways and sins that completely block out fruit. There's two parts of this. There's distractions, and those are things that are just not that important. They're kind of small, minor things. They're just not that important. Um... And then there's also sins, though, that really are bad. There really are issues, and that can really prevent resources from flowing to you. And to kind of reflect on this one, there's another question that I want you to answer. And the question is this. I want to follow Christ fully, but if I did, then I'd have to give up blank. I want to follow Christ fully, but if I did, I'd have to give up blank. What is it for you? Maybe it's watching football on Sundays. 10 a.m. game. It's already 45 minutes in. 
Maybe it's hassle-free evening. You have to do some things after work. Maybe it's your anger. You know you need to work on your anger. Like the release. You know, it gets you what you want, but you know it's a problem. Maybe it's gossip, talking about people behind their back. Maybe it's sleep. That's a really hard one to give up because you feel like you don't get enough of it already. You get sleep. Whatever it is, you can list out. The primary tension we have with this one is will I do what God wants or will I do what I want? Will I do what God wants or will I do what I want? And now there are distractions here that they aren't really bad in themselves. They just suck up your time. They're just not that important, and they block out the more important things. And so if that's what you're dealing with, then, then just you know, be sure to prioritize the right things. Put the first things first and pursue after that. But the real issue here is sinful pleasures. And these are the sins that we're unwilling to give up and to do to obey God. It's not the ones that we're really working on, we're trying to make changes on and trying to improve on. What he's talking about here are things that we're just refusing to deal with or we know we really should deal with it, but we're not really putting in much effort or work in order to make changes in those ways and, and that way. And this will completely choke out your life from producing any kind of fruit. Because most of the time we deceive ourselves into thinking that we can continue on in sin and at the same time we can grow spiritually. We think we can do both. We continue on in this sin pattern, but at the same time we can still make progress and grow spiritually. Um, sometimes we even play this consequences game. Um, almost like a, like a three-year-old whose, whose parents tell him not to grab the treat that's on the table. He weighs out, you know, is it worth it? My son's two. And so, you know, he's starting to get into this stage where he can, like, weigh out the consequences a little bit. Uh, but we do that even with our sin. We think, well, maybe it's worth the consequences. Maybe it's not that bad. But sin really is serious. Here's a powerful quote from John Owen. He was a theologian who lived in the 17th century that captures this idea and the reality of the dangers of sin. And he says this. He says, Do you mortify? Which means, do you put it to death? Do you make it your daily work? Be at it. Be always at it while you live. Cease not a day from this work. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. This is serious. We often think far too lightly of our sin. We don't think that it will be that damaging. Uh, But just like the morning glory covers over that tree completely and eventually it'll kill it. That's what sin can do to us if we don't really take an active and, and real serious approach um, to dealing with the sin in our life. And part of why this is so difficult for us is that sin looks like it's going to get me what I want. Like it'll be fulfilling. It'll be so fun. It's worth the consequences. You know, you deserve it. Other people are doing a lot worse things. Those are thoughts that I've had for sure different times I've been tempted to sin. Uh, but in the end, it results in death and misery. Obeying God, on the other hand, or doing what God wants, sometimes doesn't look like it's going to be that fulfilling. Serve people, put others first, sacrifice yourself. All those things sound difficult, like it's not going to be fulfilling. But on the other side, it leads to life, and it results in true life. So you have to choose to obey God in faith, because habitual sin really will block that fruit from, from maturing. So how do you cut the thorn? How do you cut this thorn? Well, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may, you, that you may be able to endure it. And this is a really hopeful verse. Now, this verse explains that if you're battling against sin, um, then continue to get up. Deal with it. Handle the sin. And God will help you find a way of escape. If you're in the fight, 
he is going to provide help to help you overcome it. It says he will help you, he will provide the way of escape. And it's incredible to know that God helps us. Even in our battle and struggle against sin, he wants to help provide a way um, out. And the greatest weapon you have against this temptation and sin is God's word. Use God's word to battle off temptation. Jesus used God's word when he was tempted in the desert. He used specific verses and specific temptations to overcome it. So how do you cut it? You memorize and meditate on God's word and ask for help. So maybe there's a sin or issue that you're dealing with. Um, memorize a verse. Meditate on it. Spend a week just kind of mulling on it and thinking through uh, what what God means by this verse. Let it sink into your heart. And then when you're tempted in a situation, bring it up. Say it out loud. Uh, I know I've done this many times. Say it out loud. Um, use it to help battle off that temptation to sin. Um, and so these are the different thorns and issues that really can block our growth. And the last soil, though, it describes a life that yields fruit. And this really is the vision. This is the goal. If you really want to grow in 2019, um, it takes a lot of work to cut out those thorns, but there is a whole lot of hope for us. Um, so let's read on in Luke 8, 8 to see what the last soil looks like. So in verse 8, Jesus says this, And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And in verse 15, he explains it, As for that in the good soil, there are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. And just imagine that. It says the, the, the seed that falls in the good soil produces a crop that yields a hundredfold. You know, there's one seed falls in the path, one seed that falls among the thorns, one seed that falls in the rocky soil, but then the seed that falls in the good soil produces a crop that's a hundredfold. That is incredible. I just think of the Rimsteads, who we, we got to see their video, a little bit, a glimpse into what they're doing. But they're trying to be good soil. They're trying to be good soil that yields um, a crop that is a hundredfold, that completely changes the trajectory of a whole tribe, whole people who've never heard the gospel before. And in many ways, we can do that. And so going into 2019, I hope that your life produces a crop that's like this, that is is a hundredfold. And if you're going to do that, though, you have to cut out the thorns. You have to do the difficult work of cutting out the thorns. But in the end, it's worth it. So if you want to get serious about growing in this next year, know this. Faith and endurance are the ultimate cutting blades. Faith and endurance are the ultimate cutting blades that cut out the thorns that are really preventing you from growing. And here's what I mean by faith. Faith involves two things. It's the fear of the Lord, which means you take God seriously enough actually do what he says, put his word into practice, and then trust in the Lord, which means you trust God with the outcome. You believe that he's not going to rip you off. He's not going to sell you short. He actually has your best interest in mind. Um, and so you just believe he's going to come through. And it also requires endurance. It says that the good soil are those that bear fruit with patience. And this patience has the same idea of enduring over time. It means you're going to have to maintain an upbeat attitude. You're going to have to keep at it time and time again. But if you don't give up, if you continue to do good, you don't give up, then it says you really will reap a harvest. You really can grow. And so look back on this past year and ask yourself that question again. Did your life produce the fruit that you really wanted it to? And if it didn't, then maybe one of these thorns is, is getting in the way of you being able to grow. Maybe you need to do some work, cut it out, use faith and endurance to cut it out from your life. Or maybe you just need to continue to bear up. Maybe you've been faithful, you've cut things out of your life. You just need to continue to be faithful and wait for God to come through with the harvest. There's a few next steps on your listening guide, and 
Um, the band can go ahead and throw me back on stage. Um, and each of these are connected to one of the different thorns. And so if this is what, what you're dealing with today, then hopefully one of these is a helpful next step for you um, to make some traction um, in one of these areas. So the first one is connected to cares. Specifically list out and pray to God about some of your anxieties. Trust that he cares for you. He'll help you. Um, the second one, consider how you can give to the year-end offering. Um, that's just a great opportunity that you can buy up um, in order to, um, to give generously. And the third one is to commit to battling a sin this week by memorizing a verse. There really is a lot of hope. There's hope for us, and I'm so grateful that God provides help for us to get those thorns out of our life so that we really can produce, um, produce fruit. So let's go ahead and pray. Um, Father, we're just so grateful for you. Lord, we're grateful that you care for us. We're grateful that you promise to take care of our needs, Lord. We're grateful that you provide a way of escape when we're tempted. Lord, you really are with us through every situation that we face, Lord. And that if we trust you, if we choose to do things your way, Lord, things really will work out. We will find life, that's what your word says. And so, Lord, I just pray for everyone here, God, that 2019 would be a year of growth. They would weed out the thorns and the things that are preventing them from growing and that they would experience the full flow of resources from you, God. Because it's there, it's ready, it's waiting, and they can grow, Lord, if they continue and they choose to do things your way, Lord. So we're grateful for your grace and mercy. Even when we mess up, Lord, we're so thankful that you have so much grace for us. We pray you're honored in what we do, God, that you receive praise and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.